Hello, and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Well, here we are, episode three of Recruiting Hell, and I've got to say the response has been overwhelming and way more than I've expected from you folks out there in social media land. Uh, it's been a great start to the journey, and I definitely want to keep that momentum. And you know what? There's that concept again. So thank you all so far who have tuned in, shared, and subscribed. Now, this episode was a bit tough to pin down for a topic, as uh, in the past week I organized a few guests for the future, but I definitely wanted to find a topic that would start to set the stage for our future guest topics that are going to be coming in the next few episodes. So today's topic is selling yourself. And when I say selling yourself, I mean selling your personal brand, which is who you are and what you bring to the table for a prospective employer. So one of the biggest things that I've heard in my past careers, and I actually used to say it myself a lot, was, I'm not a salesperson. And that's an excuse used by folks who want to do either one of two things. Either A, they want to go through life as an order taker or somebody who works a job that doesn't have a lot of opportunity. Or B, they're afraid that they're going to fail and they're going to make a fool of themselves. Maybe you want to be A. Maybe you want to be that that corporate drone. That's fine. But don't come crying when you can't do all the cool things you want to do because your position has no advancement opportunities. There are plenty of folks out there with a great life and a quiet life doing a job that they don't necessarily love and that they're there to punch a clock for. I have definitely had that experience in my life, but more than anything, I wanted to get out of that position and find something better. And I have a feeling that's why you're here too. But maybe you're B. Maybe you're afraid to fail. Life is full of failures. You've heard that before. And being afraid of them is natural. But you can't let that fear of failure limit your ability to make a living or do the best with the natural talents that you've been given. I'm a firm believer that everyone is good at something, or many somethings. It may take a while to find out what those somethings are, and you may need to dig pretty deep to find it. Or you may need to develop that skill to a higher level, despite having some great proficiency in it already. So when it comes to selling yourself, you have to be a product that an employer would like to buy, and that can take some time. This job hunt isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. I close the show with that line for a reason. We live in an age where instant gratification is the norm. I'm hungry. You open an app, you order DoorDash, it shows up. I'm bored. YouTube and Reddit are at your fingertips on your phone, along with the sum and total of human knowledge and video games, as long as you have a signal. I want some excitement in my life. Go get in your car, hop on public transportation, and go to your favorite hangout, restaurant, park, wherever you want to go. When it comes to selling... It's one of those things that's not instantaneous, and it's not a one-time thing. It's a process, and it takes one that involves introductions, relationship building, and the closing of a deal. Selling yourself involves a series of actions that you need to complete in a specific order to have success. In my past careers, I went through extensive sales training, and one of the most impactful ones was a program by the name of Integrity Sales, written by a guy named Ron Willingham. Now, I'm not going to just regurgitate his system to you here and say, go buy the book if you want to learn more. 
Uh, rather, there are concepts and other sales programs that we're going to modify for our job search. And the first of them is called the approach. The approach in job hunting is your introduction to yourself, of yourself, to a prospective employer. Most often this takes the form of a resume submission with some extras thrown in. And when looking for a job, especially when under, when under a financial or time crunch, it can be pretty tempting to rip through as many of those you know, easy one-click applications on uh, the big job apps as you can every single day. Now, while this can be a valid strategy for someone looking for an any-port-in-the-storm type of job, uh, the reality is you're going to find that, that the jobs that you get contacting you back when you use that method aren't exactly always the most desirable employers. I think there's a line attributed to uh, Joseph Stalin where he says, you know, quantity has a quality all its own, but sometimes that quality is pretty bad. So there is something to be said about these online platforms, and of course, uh, a lot of them contain reviews. Those reviews can be from websites like Indeed or Glassdoor, and they can definitely be used to re locate some red flags at companies. So listen to those, but take them with a grain of salt. We'll cover scam jobs and red flags at companies in another episode, but for now, let's just say that when you're doing the rapid-fire clicking through those major job apps, not all job descriptions are honest which is really a shame. So when looking for a prospective position, look for how well you fit both the job requirements, can you actually do the job, and the culture of the organization. Are you going to like working there? If it's an insurance sales job, do you like cold calling? Do you like prospecting new leads and talking to strangers? You better if you're going into that job. If it's a food service job, do you interact with customers well? And are you able to keep cool under pressure in a fast-paced kitchen? Approaching these jobs and filtering them to fit you is important because if you rush through this part of your approach to getting hired, you're going to end up in a different type of hell, which is employment hell. And that podcast doesn't exist. Yet. So let's say that you found a position that looks promising. It hits the following tick boxes on your checklist. Number one, it's a job you have at least moderate interest in. This is important for later to show actual enthusiasm for a position should you get an interview for it. No employer is going to hire a person who has the enthusiasm of a doorknob. Be at least open to, and perhaps a little bit excited, about what they do. After all, oftentimes, especially with smaller businesses, this is their life's work and something that the employer is passionate about. So don't insult them by going in with an attitude of indifference or apathy or, uh, it's just a job to pay the bills. Number two, you've researched the company via Glassdoor and other review sites. I would recommend reading the two and three star reviews, especially carefully. This is where you're going to find folks who most likely go into a lot further detail about why they liked or disliked the company, and you'll avoid those extremes of the one and five star reviews that are generally either really disgruntled employees who may be a problem on their own, or the potentially fake five star reviews that the company has put out there for themselves. Number three, the price is right. You need to value your labor and your skills at the appropriate amount. While there's nothing wrong with being a day laborer or a dishwasher, your background might find you vastly overqualified. If you're getting benefits from the state, 
it may also not be in your best interest to take a job below a certain salary amount, as being on the benefits from the state may actually give you more financial resources than going and working 40 hours a week. Welcome to America in 2020. (laughs) I've actually found myself in this position multiple times where I've landed jobs that just didn't stack up to the benefits that were being paid to me at the time, and sometimes it was by a country mile. You're going to need to do the math to find out what the tipping point number is for you and your family to either be on benefits or go out there and work. One other note of caution here when it comes to knowing your worth and, of course, benefits. If an offer comes to you for below what you need to make the trade-off to working from being on benefits, do not, I repeat, do not flat-out decline the offer. You don't want the job, and that's okay. But the reason I'm telling you this this way is because your state unemployment agency may ask you if you refused any work this week. If you get an offer and say, no, I pass on that offer, you're at risk of losing your benefits because you will have refused work that was offered to you. Claiming unemployment after refusing work offered is, in my state at least, considered a form of fraud, and the penalties are pretty heavy. Instead, make a counteroffer and let the employer say, nah, we'll pass. We'll talk more about offering and counteroffering down the road, but suffice to say, following this rule of making sure the employer passes on you when in negotiations is incredibly important to make sure you maintain benefits, if necessary. Okay, so everything checks out with this job. And you're ready to submit that resume to the company. Before you do, though, we need to continue to craft your approach. You need a cover letter. Yep. Need a cover letter. Companies might not even read them. And that's terrible. But making sure your application and approach comes with a little something extra will help your resume pull ahead of those that don't have that piece of the application filled out. Your cover letter doesn't have to be a novel, but it should be a good three to four paragraphs with two to four sentences in each paragraph helping to sell you. This letter is designed to do one thing and one thing only. Tell the employer what benefits there are to hiring you. What's in it for me? Or WIFM. W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me, is one of the most powerful sales drivers in the world, both for products and services, as well as for employment prospects. It's right up there with fast and easy for how powerful it is. So the goal of your cover letter is to tell an employer the big benefits of hiring you right up front. Attaching that letter puts you in a much smaller pool of applicants right off the bat. And having a letter filled with actual compelling reasons to hire you puts you in an even smaller pool, which is exactly where you want to be. Now, making a killer cover letter isn't exactly easy. It takes a number of rewrites, changes, and tweaks, depending on what job you're applying for. The goal with your cover letter should be eventually use all of those cover letters that you write to generate a template that you use for every single application. But this doesn't mean that every application has the same exact cover letter. Really far from it, exactly. You you want to have your cover letter template 
be modular. And when I say modular, I mean that you should be able to add and delete portions of a master template based on the job type that you're applying for. This does take a lot of work to set up, but it can really actually pay off in time saved when you're able to move and shuffle whole sections and alter a few words or add a sentence here to create a completely different cover letter for two separate companies from the same template in a very short amount of time. Using my own cover letter template as an example, we'll look at how I've used it to help sell myself to employers. I always open with the formal, dear sir or madam. This is a letter, start it like one. To whom it may concern is also a great substitute here, but I prefer busting out the old titles. Uh, you know, nobody calls anybody madam anymore in 2020, so hey, it's a good way to get noticed. Immediately after this, identify yourself by first and last name. Now this is important to get your name in their head right off the bat, and hopefully revisit that over the course of the letter with some clever writing. Make sure you don't talk in the third person, but uh, you can creatively work your name back into the uh, letter over uh, the course of the body. This is also a great place to tell them what position you're actually applying for. How terrible would that be to think you're applying for position A only to be hired for position B, which maybe pays less or is an entry-level position versus a mid- or upper-level position. So be precise here. Attention to detail is important in the approach because it shows you're actively interested in a very specific opportunity. The next three paragraphs are definitely something we'll expand on in future episodes about cover letter writing, but for now I'll say this. You have 12 short sentences at most to make yourself look like the most attractive, juiciest hire that they've ever seen and make them drool and dream about hiring you and cringe over letting you slide by. This can be really tough, but it can be simplified with a really easy trick. And that trick is called the elevator speech. Now, if you've been in, in the professional world for a while, you've likely heard this term before. And hey, maybe you've even created a few in your past careers. This is where that skill, that little practice you've been doing over the past few years comes in handy. And if you don't know how to make an elevator pitch, we're going to give you a quick heads up as to what it is and kind of how it works. An elevator speech or an elevator pitch, they're one and the same, is a 30 to 60 second spiel that you can throw out at the drop of a hat if someone asks you, what do you do for a living in an elevator? Now, granted, this is not just a, a speech you give in elevators, but the name is done to illustrate the fact that you likely have someone's attention for less than a minute before something else, like getting off on their floor if they're in an elevator, takes their attention. So your goal in your cover letter is to put your elevator speech on paper as to who you are, what you do, and why you're awesome at it, and how you're the right person for their job. I'm going to read you an excerpt from a completed version of a recent cover letter I did for a director-level position that touches on these points. Now, there's a quick caveat here. There's going to be some, some pretty big terminology in here. This, is, this was for a director-level position, but it ticks all the boxes for quality cover letter writing, which is why I chose it. So, <clears throat> dear sir or madam, my name is Rob Conlon, and I'm interested in your position for Director of Customer Success. I believe I would be a perfect fit for this position based on my history of effectively managing and building highly engaged customer bases, overseeing a 24-7 customer care cycle, 
and directing leading-edge social media presences while modeling and implementing award-winning omni-channel client services. I'd be excited to put those same skills and tactics to work for your organization. Now, as I said, there's a lot of big words in there, but in this case, for this position, they're necessary to show that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the responsibilities that I would be undertaking. Your pitch letter uh, or your opening here may be much more simplified, especially if you're applying for an entry-level position. You know, you don't have to know what an omni-channel client services platform is in this case. So to review this, what did I tell the employer in my approach with a letter opening like this? Number one, I told them who I am and what position I want. My name is Rob Conlon. I am interested in the position of Director of Customer Success. I'm very specific about it. Number two, I believe that I am a perfect fit for them. You're putting that seed of thought in their brain saying, yeah, this guy is going to be a perfect fit for us. Plant that seed. You never know what, what may grow from it. Number three, there's a quick overview of my experience with what they're hiring for, including, and here's why I use some of those bigger words, using terms found in their application that they posted on Indeed or LinkedIn or wherever this was. Number four, I've told them that others have found my work worthwhile in the form of awards. That's a huge thing. Oh, to be award-winning, things like that. You may have some accolades yourself. Talk them up. And number five, I tell them that I'm excited to work for them. The rest of your letter should provide a two to three short but specific ways that you can help their company. This is WIFM or what's in it for me at its finest for your prospective employer. You can think of your cover letter like a hype man. He's here to trumpet your achievements and tell a prospective employer how great you are. So make sure that your application has a hype man every single time. Now, sometimes you'll also have the opportunity to attach additional files. If you can, use this extra space for anything else you may have lying around like a portfolio, as long as it's, of course, relevant to the position, or my personal favorite, which is kind of a one-size-fits-all, letters of recommendation. When you can show an employer that there are people from your past that are satisfied that they hired you, it is a great way to build their confidence in you and encourage them to extend an interview opportunity. If your cover letter is your hype man, the recommendations are like his crew that echo every single thing he says. This looks like a lot of work, and you're not wrong. But if you want to find a job that is fulfilling and rewarding both emotionally and financially, selling yourself like this is the way to go. Applications done like this tend to be much higher yield in interview opportunities because you've put in the work. You've made the effort to sell yourself to the company to land the interview. Keep in mind that not every company is going to be won over by the exact same cover letter and tactics. And this is why your cover letter is designed to be modular so that you can add or remove segments to tailor it to each employer. To give you an example that fits the real world a little bit more about how this should be a template, if you will, think of your cover letter like a brand of car. Every brand out there from Audi to Volvo, and I did check there are no Z brands of cars that I could, I could find. If, I, if you do know a Z brand, email us at the show's email. But any, every car brand from A to V has multiple models of vehicle that they sell. Each of them hits a certain market segment or accomplishes a certain goal. 
but you can tell often that they're all in the same family of cars. European cars are generally very good at this, and you can pick out a BMW or a Mercedes easily, regardless of the model year or type of vehicle it is. Your cover letter should be the same way. Distinctive, but fulfilling the individual needs of each job you apply for, and it should be easy to look at each one of them and say, yes, those all came from the same root. Now, selling yourself isn't easy. You're putting yourself out there to be basically inspected like a side of beef in one of the busiest markets in the world, the job market. There will be many companies coming by to shop and see if you're what they want. You will face rejection, probably on a daily basis. And whether that's someone ghosting you for an application you actually got a response to, the uh, old automated rejection letter, no, we found another candidate, you need to eat rejection for breakfast. Part of selling yourself is keeping track of your wins. And this helps keep you going. Rejection is hard. Rejection hurts. It helps keep you going by showing the number of good things that are happening rather than just focusing on the bad. Selling yourself at its heart is a numbers game. And if you don't put apps out there, you won't get calls back. Period. However, you should look to put the best apps out there as possible. So to review our conversation here, selling yourself is hard, but can be made easier with the use of your time in selecting jobs you have interest in, have the qualifications for, and can be passionate about. Couple this with quality cover letters that help hype your resume, and you're well on your way to finding some new opportunities. Now, the approach in modern times, as we've been talking about here, is often digital, and it's via a faceless website, whether that's an internal one or a third-party one that they use to post the job. But sometimes it can be a face-to-face event. And maybe it's out of the blue at some uh, something you're attending, or maybe it even comes up in casual conversation. The times where one can walk into a business and say, I'd like a job, are long gone. Uh, despite what some older generations say, uh, with workplace violence and the way our modern society works right now, this tactic is outdated and most likely exceptionally unwelcome. In my experience, I have seen HR departments say, do not call us, do not show up. We do not want to see you other than through the actual hiring system. Best to follow that uh, if you are wanting a job at that company. I don't think they'd be very enthusiastic to hire the guy who just kind of kicks down the door <laughs> in this case. However, Despite the fact that people have, you know, sort of shut themselves off when their businesses, there are opportunities that you can take to sell yourself in a situation like a casual conversation or if you meet somebody at an event. One of the most powerful phrases I've found for letting folks know that you're in need of employment is based off of a phrase I learned from a gentleman who I encountered very early in my professional life. I was a, uh, a prep chef at the time and he was a restaurateur. And when he needed me to do something that I had never done, he'd say, Conlon, I got an opportunity for you. And for some reason, he always sounded a little bit like Sylvester Stallone in that voice, but it definitely left a mark. I've got an opportunity for you. And this is the one of the most critical terms I've found for describing your job hunt in a positive light to people who may not know that you've fallen on hard times. It takes the negative emotion of being jobless or unemployed and it turns it around. After all, you're looking and you want a great opportunity. You should tell folks exactly that. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you should be shouting in your faces when that you're looking for an opportunity. And while that may land you some crazy high-pressure sales job, your goal when conversing with others is to approach these folks with caution and humbleness. Don't scare them away from hiring you or make them feel like you're bullying them into giving you a chance. It won't work well. Instead, let's say you met up with somebody in a public place. Doesn't matter where. Church, picking up the kids from school, grocery store, maybe you're out for dinner and saw some folks you knew at a table across the room. Regardless of the situation, you're likely to say hi and have a brief conversation as a matter of politeness. In most conversations, you can find an opportunity to make a small play for testing if an opportunity is potentially available. A lot of times here in the Midwest, folks ask, how's life? And often the reply is, busy as can be, or something along those those lines. There's a quick opening here for a statement that isn't initially salesy to see if there are opportunities available. Something that could be said to steer the topic gently in a direction that may give you an opening would be, oh, work is crazy busy, huh? Now this gives that person you're talking to the option to talk about work if they want, or to divert to something else. And if they divert, it's fine. But if they say, yeah, I'm just, I'm swamped at work. It could be a really good time to simply ask, really? Is there any way I could help? I'm actually looking for a new opportunity. Pause here for a moment with me and really focus on the next thing I say. If you ask this question, I'm actually looking for a new opportunity. Is there a way I could help? If you ask this question, when you are waiting for a reply, you need to shut your mouth. You've made an ask of this person and you need to let them consider your request and make the next move. Otherwise, you lose. This could be and likely will be quite uncomfortable and your willingness to stick in that uncomfortableness, that silence, that staring at each other a little bit will encourage the other party to act. This is a sales technique and the first person to talk loses. Remember, you're selling yourself. This is where you see if there's an opportunity there for you. Let the person you made the request of think if there's an opportunity and respond. Give them time. Now, this tactic is difficult to deploy in a smooth manner and requires practice. It may be beneficial for you to practice this and ask and this ask in this conversation in the same way you would an elevator speech. This is an introduction to networking. This is networking at kind of 101. Uh, networking isn't easy, and if it was, we'd all be Fortune 100 CEOs. But you may get shot down a number of times before you get someone who says, yeah, actually, we need a hand. I should talk to my boss. This is okay. Remember, eat that rejection for breakfast. Not all careers can be networked into like this, but even getting your foot in the door to business can be beneficial for future opportunities. I can't just become a doctor or electrician overnight, but there are many positions surrounding those that I could step into. I just need to ask. As usual, there's much more on this topic, uh, both in face-to-face -face approaches and in online approaches. But for the interest of keeping these episodes roughly the same length, we're going to end here for the day. Uh, our next episode will pick up right at the end of this one and teach you a system that I actually developed to keep track of my productivity uh, when I was a salesperson, but I've modified it for you uh, when it comes to job hunting and have, helping you make successful approaches. And that's today's episode. We're not done here by a long shot. And of course, as this show gains uh, momentum, we're going to be bringing 
you advice from more people besides myself. Again, I'm working to get some guests on here, some folks who have some pretty impressive credentials as well to help make sure that your journey through recruiting hell has some company. So if you have questions, if you have comments or feedback with us here at Recruiting Hell, you can, of course, always drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at recruiting underscore hell. Again, recruiting the line on the bottom, hell. As always, thanks to uh, Purple Planet Music for your for our theme and to you, the listener, for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or shared the show, we'd greatly, greatly appreciate it if you would. And there are millions of Americans out there that could benefit from learning more about how to power up their job hunt. Again, I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Harold will be here to help you keep pace. <laughs>